Well, guys, it's so good to be back. So good to see you. some familiar faces, some new faces, but truly, just as Chris said, this is like second home to us. So we just we just come right in, and we I'm so glad we have a living room now. We can just you know, <laughs> um, you know we just sure love you guys, and I'm not, I'm not even gonna say too much because I, I literally will will start crying. So. Um, yeah, there's a whole story how we met, but it's pretty awesome. And God so divinely connected us with Chris and Raquel, and we just so cherish them, and they've become some of our dearest friends. So you guys are in, in good hands here. Um, so I just, I'm going to share just for a few minutes. Um, because I... <laughs> I told her she could have the whole night, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not for real. But um, I was just asking the Lord, like, what, what do you have for this weekend for court, right? I get a word from the Lord and really want to see what God wants to do here, right? And so um, I heard him say, remember your first car? And I'm like, Lord, did you hear what I said? I can't hear wonder if God has those, like, squirrel moments, like, <laughs> you ask him a question, you're really, like, trying to get your way as to say, like, squirrel, wait, he's, like, way over here, I'm, like, what about my first car? Um, and I was taken back to my 17-year-old self at the dealership with my grandpa looking for my first car, and... You know, That's one good. thing about my first car that was so awesome, it was it was a gift. And I just so valued and cherished that my grandpa was gonna get my first car for me. But in order to, you know, receive that gift, I had to stay within a certain budget, right? And so he gave me a budget and I found a car that was in that budget. However, it was a manual and I did not know how to drive stick. But I really wanted this car. So I had a choice to make. I'm like, okay, so I can literally learn how to drive this car right now, or I can't get it, and I'm going to have to probably get a car that I don't really want. So what did I choose to do? I'm like, all right, salesman, <laughs> you ready to teach me how to drive it? <laughs> Yeah. The, the sales guy literally taught me how to drive a stick right then and there. And what what happens when you're first learning, if any of you guys? I'm sure you guys all know how to drive a stick here in Texas. But us uh, Catholic people, we're a little, you know, we're a little spoiled with our automatic stuff. So, um, so what happens, though, when you're learning? <laughs> and you usually kind of get stuck in between years, right? Because usually it's because you get afraid and you don't accelerate. And so it, you know, stalls on me. Oh, come on. Okay? So then I'm like, oh, I get it now. Okay, I see where you're going, Lord. And so when I asked God for what he had for you guys, it's so interesting the language that Chris just used about thrusting you guys to the next place. And that's literally the picture I got was gear shifting to the next gear. And I Come was on. reminded back of Come my on, new man. car because I remembered that it was a gift, first of all. And what is the Lord doing right now? He has a lot of gifts that he's giving out to us. Come on. He really wants to give us yeah. gifts. He really does. It's his, it's 
pleasure to give good gifts to his children. Yes. But how many guys know in that there's a role to play on our part, right? Yeah. And oftentimes there's some new skill sets that we need to learn to, in order to receive the gift. Because I could have received that gift and been excited about the car and it could have sat in the driveway. Right? I mean, I could have chosen to get the car and receive it and not Come on. learn the necessary, you know, skills to be able to drive it. And so I saw God shifting core. Come on. Shifting you guys to the next phase, if you will. The next year, the next level. And then something interesting happened today. We went back to the hotel um, to just rest for a couple hours. And I was reading, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was just sitting there. My eyes started hurting so bad. And I'm like, what in the world is this? I don't think there's anything in it. I'm looking. And so it didn't go away. It was like that for probably a good hour. And I'm like, man, I just, let me just, I'm going to take a shower and hopefully, you know, whatever. And, you know, us practical people were like, you know, maybe something's in my eye. I've learned (laughs) oftentimes being prophetic people if you understand when I I refer to that you understand sometimes you walk out the word and you live out the word and you release it right oftentimes that's the case with us yay we get to walk it out and then we get to release it so that's usually the case so being so prophetic as I am, <laughs> I clued in and I'm like, wait, maybe this is prophetic. <laughs> I'm like, it's probably, it could be just so, like something about my eye, but I'm thinking it might be something. And so when you just said the verbiage, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think it was that because as soon as I clued in to like, oh, maybe this is for tonight, uh, it actually left. So that was my clue. So I. Because I literally was closing my eye for like an hour. I couldn't even open it, it hurt. And so that was a picture I got. I literally got a picture of being in a car with one eye closed and trying to shift gears. And it, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever tried to drive with one eye, that's not that very easy to do. Um, if, you know, if you have something in your eye or something. And then trying to shift yeah. gears in the middle of that, right? And I just feel like, some of us are in that place That's where you can't quite see clearly. That's good. Like Chris was saying. And I know this because I know that this is where we've been. <laughs> and like I said, we usually walk out things and we've felt major transition in the air. And I know a lot of people are in that place. And, you know, the Lord reminded me during worship that, you know, I, I'm always taking you from glory to glory. Yep. Right? Always. Yep. There's always upgrades available. There's always new things to step into. But do any of you guys feel like you're stuck at two? Like, glory <laughs> two, two, glory. Like, I feel like there's some of us that, okay, what about the the next, okay, glory two, glory. Like, there is a new level of glory you're going to step into. But sometimes, in order to do that, you have to step into it, right? You have to step into it. And so that takes action on our part. That takes participation. 
Sometimes I think we're waiting Come on. for the Lord to just drop his glory on us, which he does that, and I so love it when he does that. It's amazing. I, I welcome that, Lord. I welcome that. But oftentimes, it doesn't look like that. What is that? <laughs> so I just want to encourage you guys I do feel a strong sense that we are literally here to shift you guys into something new and that when God told me to say that I was like that's a little presumptuous isn't it that, like, that that's kind of like doesn't come off right but he said no you need to you need to release that and you need to say it because you need to impart faith for them to receive and I just really want you guys to understand that we don't go just places just because it's what we do. We go places to release yes. a breakthrough yes. or to release um, a place where you feel stuck. I just feel like there's there's tangible yeah. breakthroughs yeah. in this place for those that feel like they're in that place. You're in an in-between, yeah. right? You're yeah. in the in-between. So I know he has a, a lot of fire release. So I'm gonna no, you keep going. No, aha, uh -huh, man. <laughs> but we're excited. We're excited. I just want you guys to get your faith up because God is about ready to do some cool stuff. Come on. You want to come up here and join me? No? No? Ah. Maybe, maybe on Sunday you'll come do your dance. Maybe. <laughs> oh, wow. So good to be back in the nation of Texas. Yeah. Some of y'all got that. Uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight. Man, I, I wish you would have just kept talking. I was like, this is so good. I could have just sat down and I was taking mental notes. It was so good. Well, let's just continue on that. You know, um, I think it's so funny how many times at the young age, we're trained to believe everything we're taught, but many times not given the process to actually walk out what we're taught. Right? Usually growing up in culture, uh, specifically, uh, in Hispanic culture, there are things I was taught. It was passed on from generation, and I was taught things that, uh, hey, you just need to believe this, but not really given the process to find out if what I was taught really makes sense or if it really works. Like, when you were sick, your grandma would tell you, oh, mijo, all you need is some 7-Up Vicks and Menudo. <laughs> Fix everything. You got a broken arm? Just need some Vicks, 7-Up, and Menudo. See, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And then, and then there's just this cultural one where, like, you know, don't go outside when it's cold without a jacket because you'll catch a cold, right? I don't know who came up with that, but they've proven that is wrong. You're just supposed to believe it, right? Just things that we are taught. And then we come to church, all right? If you've grown up in religion, not this church. Come on. You know, I'm being honest. Being, I know I'm being raw with y'all because I know... What you guys have here. Matter of fact, I was standing there and I'm asking Raquel, is there a new carpet? Is there something new? And like, I'm looking, I'm like, last time last, something looks new. And I'm realizing, no, it's just the season y'all are in. Yeah, come on. Right? There's nothing new on the stage. I'm like, is there something new? Like, you guys do something new? Is the lighting new? What's, what's going on? And I started realizing it's just the season that you guys are in. But so many times when you grow up in church culture, you're taught the same thing. Like, you just need to believe this, but not given a process to actually test what you believe. And it's totally the opposite of what Jesus taught the disciples. If you think about it, Jesus shows up on the scene, and those who understood the word and knew the word should have recognized him, but didn't. 
The Pharisees knew the word. They knew the prophetic words about the coming Messiah, yet when the coming Messiah showed up, they didn't recognize him. Why is that? And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he teaches his disciples to question everything that they had learned. He was trying to teach them. You know, the first step to revelation is curiosity. But, the, but church and, religions, and religion teaches us not to be curious. And then what happens is that we come into this place of doubt. And then religion teaches you that doubt's wrong. Can I tell you, doubt's not wrong. Unbelief's wrong. God can work with doubt. He can't work with unbelief. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Y'all got quiet. God can work with doubt. He can't work with unbelief. Matter of fact, Scripture says unbelief works against God. He can work with doubt. Look at Thomas. He's not afraid of doubt. What he doesn't like is unbelief. Oh, man, y'all got quiet real quick. But it's, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> but, we're, you know, it's so interesting because he teaches them to question. To question what they had believed and what they had taught. And, you know, as we've had this honor to travel, I've been traveling the last month. This is like my fourth trip. I think it is in the last four weeks. It's just been crazy. It's been an honor. I'm catching up on all my speaking engagements that were shut down during COVID. And so we're just like traveling. But I'm seeing something right now happen in our nation. And um, it's so interesting because Des says that God will give us a gift. But many times when God gives us a gift, we don't recognize it as a gift. Because many times it comes in a package that we don't want. <laughs> All right. And I'm convinced that, now hear what I'm not saying, I'm convinced that COVID-19 wasn't caused by God, but I believe this reset was a gift from God. <laughs> why? Oh, there's so many reasons why, but I want to talk to you. I do believe that we're in a time of redefining and rediscovering. And there's several things that are happening in the church right now as a whole that we're seeing God is wanting to redefine visions, value, vocabulary, and vehicle. And we'll talk more about that on Sunday. But I just kind of wanted to set the stage foundation tonight for where we're going to go even on Sunday a little deeper. But I want to talk about this because it's very interesting. Because what's happening right now, God is the God. Remember this. God is the God of generations, not individuals. Okay. When God thinks, he thinks in generations. Now, the gospel's for you, but it's not about you. Okay? So God loved you as an individual, but he's thinking generationally. He was a God of what? Abraham, Isaac, and... Right? When he would show up, he, they, he would say, tell him you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because right? he thinks generationally. And what's happening in America right now is that business understands something that the church doesn't. Okay. We do consulting for business. We've been doing a lot more stuff in the marketplace. And one of the things I'm realizing about business is that they understand something that we, the church, are behind. They understand there's a generational gap and they're trying to fix it. We, the church, have been blinded to the generational gap. Okay, let me, let me explain this to you. Because I believe this is a word for you guys' church, where you guys are going and what's about to take place. Do you believe that? 
It's very interesting because right now, there is a huge generation divide. And I wrote down some things I want to give to you real quick that we need to pay attention to. Specifically, there is a, you know, there's a lot of talk about millennials. But I want to go further than that. I want to talk about Generation Z and then Generation Y. Okay, Generation Z and Generation Y that are currently on the earth. I got to tell you, I am part of what they would call uh, our generation is Generation X. Uh, they just X'd us out. I don't know why. <laughs> but the thing about Generation X is that we're the, actually the last generation that could rem on the face of the earth right now alive that can remember not having internet. Right? Every generation after us only knows technology, internet, MacBooks, iPads, right? And it's so interesting because Gen Z is what they're calling the first global generation. And they are a generation that is no longer happy with just simply consuming content. Instead, they're passionate about publishing content. How do I know this? Because our children want to be YouTubers. They don't want to go to Hollywood and be a famous musician or a famous movie star. They want to be a YouTuber. Matter of fact, they follow whole, like, like, like you would think, like, if they saw a movie star, uh, say Robert Downey Jr. from Avengers, they actually would be more happier eating, uh, actually meeting some of their YouTube uh, families that they follow on YouTube. Like, they would be, like, they would actually be um, uh, awestruck by a YouTuber more than somebody who's famous in Hollywood. Okay, I just want to give you some context for this. We're seeing it with our children. Why is this so important? Hold on. We're going somewhere. So what they're telling us is that this generation, because they have access to social media, which I think is awesome that you guys are doing this, because you guys are actually being set up for generations. Okay? If anything, the pandemic... The pandemic showed what churches are set up for generations and which ones are actually outdated. I actually know churches that have shut down during the pandemic because they weren't ready for a pandemic. They only knew how to meet in person. They didn't know how to meet on social media or on internet. Okay. So think about this. And can I just, I got to address something. When the internet first came out, the church got on their soapbox and said it was evil. Now, how many of them are using it to actually... So many times, there's an innovation that is inspired by heaven that we deem evil, yet we miss our opportunity to lead it, and so then we end up following it. Okay. So many times we end up missing our opportunity to lead, so we end up being a follower. <laughs> I can take you through so many. Media. The church in the 70s and 80s had an opportunity to get into media, but we chose Christian television. Now, there's nothing wrong with Christian television. I'm just saying that God wanted to send individuals to reform that mountain of influence. Now we're paying for it because now we have fake news. 
You actually know the you actually know the 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 mountain of media was the purpose of it was to actually display truth. Right? You should know the truth, truth will set you free. Ultimately, we're seeing right now all over America that we're being lied to. How do we know that? Because there's more people trapped in fear because truth doesn't produce fear, it produces freedom. So if we have a whole nation in fear, it's probably because we're being lied to. We doing all right tonight. Come on, I, I, <laughs> I'm too grown to lie. <laughs> I'm going to tell you truth, and I'm too old to care. <laughs> so this means that access to social media and the Internet has created in a generation the ability to instantly publish thoughts, ideas, and dreams in real time. So what does this mean to the church? We have to change the system. The church in North America is set on a system of consumerism. It's we come to consume. All of church in North America, I can't speak internationally, but in North America, it's based on the system of consumerism. We're not set up for producers. Yet the gospel wasn't made for consumerism. It was actually made for you to go out and show what you actually have. So the generation coming is actually ready to walk out the gospel than the one that's currently in the church right now. All right, smile break. Come on, show those pearly whites. Some of you got them pearly, pearly yellows. That's all right. Come on. Right? And so unless we get ahead, we're always going to be trying to catch up. And what's happening right now, there's a generational divide, and the enemy wants to blind us with a political spirit and with media right now. Because if I can get you involved in a political mindset, I actually rob you of a kingdom mindset. Right? We're not supposed to get into the political, we're supposed to get into the kingdom. My, my word, my Bible says... That they, that the, oh man, that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and everybody was pushing to get in. They weren't pushing to get into the political system. They were pushing to get into the kingdom. Oh man, y'all got quiet. <laughs> and so there's something that's happening right now that's taking place that we have to be aware of because I believe that this pandemic is God trying to get the church out of consumerism. That our whole system and structure, like, think about this. Why do we call certain things in church culture, why do we name it that thing when Scripture never told us to name it that? Like, we call it a church service. If you understand business, you understand in business terms, a service is providing a product. So what happens, if you call it a service, people come in expecting a service, so now their tithe and offering now becomes pay for your service. Never once did it say in Scripture you're supposed to call it a service. It said they gathered. Matter of fact, you know churches in the Scripture were not known for their buildings. They were actually known for their name. When they called the church 
In the Acts, it wasn't known for the building. It was actually known for the people. <laughs> so we call it a service. And then we wonder why we have pastors in this system and structure burning out, having affairs, because they're burnt out, because the whole system has produced consumerism. So the pastor now becomes everything to all men. Can I tell you, the system's broken. God is trying to open our eyes as the church to understand that it needs to be reformed. The system's broken. He wants to do it a new way. <laughs> and this is what court church is. I believe you guys have been awakened. See, can I tell you, we don't need another revival. We need an awakening. If we need another revival, then we're in trouble because revival means to revive something that's dead. Are you dead? What we need is an awakening. We need to be awakened to see. <laughs> Come on. He's awakened us to see what we were really created to become. Right? It's like the movie The Matrix. You got to get unplugged in order to see. Sometimes you got to get unplugged from the system in order to see. <laughs> Come on, God's trying to unplug you. He brought you to court church, not by an accident. Matter of fact, some of you sit in this room right now. You grew up in a church. You grew up in a system. All of a sudden, God sent you out. Like, why? What, what, what happened? <laughs> now, this isn't to diss other churches. Hear my heart. Right? But it's because he's trying to get you with your tribe. He's trying to get you with your family. He's trying to awaken you to destiny. He's trying to awaken you to purpose. He's trying to awaken you to get free from the system. He didn't call you to a religion. Matter of fact, for some of you, this, this may be a little bit of a rude awakening, but when Jesus came on the face of the earth, it says, oh, I love what it says, John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus. John the Baptist's message was repent for the kingdom of God. What did you say? Is that hand? And then Jesus shows up on the scene. Says not only is the kingdom of God at hand, but it's now here. Jesus didn't come to establish what we know as North American Christianity. Matter of fact, the word Christianity wasn't even in his vocabulary. Man made that up. We're followers of Jesus. And there almost has to be a, 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 a redefining of that because Christianity in America has become really... Oh, man. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying that we don't say we're Christians. We got to understand what that actually means. That we're followers of Jesus, that he came to preach the gospel of the kingdom. See, I study world religions because when we were on college campus, I realized if I didn't study world religions and we had many students on the campus that came from different religions, then I wouldn't know how to relate to them. 
So you know what I found out about every religion? Every world religion starts with a beginning that leads to an ultimate end. Oh, you get to the end, you experience nirvana. Or you get to the end of this religion and you, have, and you get married in heaven to 19 virgins. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, these are, these are what world religions believe. But do you understand the Bible, the word of God? Being a believer in Jesus Christ, it's the only religion that doesn't start with a beginning to an end. It starts with somebody's end becoming your new beginning. Only religion in this world that starts with an end. Somebody's end became your beginning. And it's the only religion that promises you inheritance. Not that you have to work for something, that you actually inherit something. <sighs> it's good. Come on, y'all. It is really, really good. So we're on this journey as the church. You as core church are on this journey to, to get out of the system of consumerism to actually become a supplier. Church is not a place where we come to consume. It is a place where we come to get, get consumed but not consume. Some of you guys will get down the way home. See, because consumerism drives us towards a selfish lifestyle of safety, comfort, and privilege. And you can always tell when a culture is in consumerism because they actually walk out in entitlement. <laughs> See, fear is overrated and leaves a person a consumer. Fear is the beginning point of consumerism. Because it's always in that business term of supply and demand, but in the kingdom, there's no supply and demand. Because in the kingdom, there's only one measurement of growth. Did you note that? Jesus said, let there be light. He spoke in creation, and science has proven that there's still things being created. So does that tell us? It means there's only one measurement in the kingdom, and that's increase. It's not decrease. So fear is overrated. Fear is the beginning of consumerism because it leaves a, a person a consumer. But that means no love. If God is love and we are created in the image of love, meaning that we're created in and for love, love is a supplier. Yeah. I don't know if you got that. See, love is a supplier and has the ability to overcome every obstacle, every decision a person, every decision that I make in this life will either be made out of fear or love. It'll either be tied to fear or love. <laughs> so we have the ability to choose what we want to bring and release into every situation we face. What we choose will determine if we become a consumer or a supplier. See, God is looking for co-laborers. Those who will supply the earth with his love and not be consumed by fear. And we have to make the deposit in this account because I got to tell you what, it's like being in marriage. Like when you're in marriage, you can either have a joint account or separate accounts. 
When we do marriage counsel, we tell people, don't get separate accounts. Why are you going to get separate accounts? Are you married or not? Do you share everything or not? <laughs> I hope I didn't step on any toes right there. Sorry. <laughs> but this whole thing right now, what's happening, can I tell you what? I want to, I want to prostitute and we'll, we'll do a few more things and then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, I really want to kind of set, set some precedent even just for Sunday. God is not worried who our next president who our next president will be, but many believers are. And I'm convinced what's happening right now in our nation is that the church's heart is being tested to see what's in it. See, I'll put, let me put, put it this way. I've seen many believers in North America. I don't know. Oh, man. How, should I say this? Oh, okay. Many believe He gave me permission, so okay. Many believers in America right now have Old Testament expectations with New Testament declarations. Many believers in North America right now, we have Old Testament expectations with a New Testament declaration, and it's not working. Well, Matt, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. In the Old Testament, Jesus, God wanted to be with his people. And they said, we don't want to be with God. We want a king. So God gave them what they wanted. But he said, because I give you a king, also know that your king's going to take some things away from you. If you don't believe me, read Old Testament. But yet, John the Baptist comes, prepares the way for Jesus. Jesus comes and brings us a kingdom. And then it says that John, up until John, until then, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets were until John. Scripture says that. So until John, all the Old Testament, the law and the prophets were until John. Then there was the end. Why? Because Jesus was the new beginning. So now it's illegal to have an Old Testament expectation with a New Testament declaration. And I see this happening right now. I see a lot of prophetic voices out there right now that are causing confusion because they're bringing an Old Testament mindset with some New, New Testament declaration that's causing confusion. <laughs> oh, man, y'all, we doing good? Everybody smile. Smile break. <laughs> why, is this, why is this so key right now? And I'll tell you, I want to give you some, some what's happening right now. In the Old Testament, you had to wait for the priest to show up, and then God would show up. In the New Testament, God is now within you, so when you show up, God shows up. Okay? But with an Old Testament mindset and a New Testament declaration, what it looks like, it looks like this. You ready for this? We feel powerless, so now we put our expectation on somebody who we deem is powerful to have power for us. Okay, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Old Testament, New Testament. 
When we feel powerless because we don't either understand our power or we've given up the right of our power, we now look for the powerful to speak for us to empower us. So what has happened in America is that we've gotten in bed with the political spirit and made Donald Trump our savior because he's powerful. Now, I want you to hear my heart. Please hear my heart. I would love for him to get another four years. But if he doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me because I still know my assignment. Because my power is not in a man. My power is in Jesus. So I don't need another person to be powerful for me because I can be powerful for myself. And the church has gotten in bed with the political spirit because the political spirit will always deceive you into saying that it has power for you. Oh, I don't know if you got that. And we've believed it. And that's why right now on social media there's a war. And I'm seeing some of the nastiest things come out of the heart and mouth of Christians. Because our man of power is not, may not get back in office. Okay, get the car ready, just in case I got it. <laughs> so regardless of who wins, I know my assignment's going to be different. If Trump wins, that means my assignment is to bring wisdom like Solomon. But if Biden wins, that means I go to a Daniel or Joseph covert. See, either way, I know my assignment doesn't scare me. Because I know where my power and my freedom comes from. That's why Jesus said, get under Caesar. What is the Caesar? Get unto the Lord. What's the Lord? So my right was a vote, and I took that right. I voted. So whoever wins, I can live with. Long as it's not unjust, legal, yes. I'm watching that. And I've been praying. That's one of my declarations. Lord, let anything that's been hidden come to light. Yes. Yes. All right. So I can live. God, God can win with any hand he's dealt with. The problem is most Christians can't. Right? And so you're a core church, right? This is who you are. You're a core. And it's interesting because a core changed the world. A core in the upper room transformed the world. We didn't need 300 people in the upper room. There was a core. If 12 people turn the world upside down, what can 70 do here? What can 150 do? If you actually will believe. See, Conroe, Houston area, Woodlands, they're not looking for another definition of Christianity. They're looking for a demonstration of Christianity. They don't need another definition. They don't need defining they need to see it lived out, walked out. Right. They need to see powerful people that actually believe what the word says. Yeah. Yeah.
that they're powerful. That you've been given power and authority to do something. That we're not always playing catch up. Christians should be the most innovative people on the face of the earth. Because we share headspace with God. It's called the mind of Christ. We shouldn't be playing catch up. We shouldn't. Because if we're playing catch up, that means we've given up our right and responsibility. And we've given up our power and authority. See, you will always look for a king to have power when you don't believe you're actually from a kingdom. Right? See, something's shifting right now. I could feel all over the air. Come on. It don't matter if it's Trump or Biden. Because my responsibility is not going to change. When did, when did his word say my responsibility would change depending on who's in the White House? Matter of fact, that which you judge, you can't love. The moment you move in judgment, you've already cut off. You can't actually love. Oh, come on. Y'all, you, you all are core. Your core church. Come on, somebody. So I want to talk a little bit about timing, and we're going to get timing and seasons, right? The greatest gift God gives us is time. It's the greatest commodity. Yet he doesn't live in time, but yet, if you think about it, he gives us the gift of time. He gives us the gift of time. And we have this in this world, and one thing that you can never get back is time. So how many know if you can't get back time, you must protect it above all else, how you use your time, where you put your time, where you invest your time in, and how you agree with God's timing. Time's a precious commodity. It's more precious on this earth than finances. Because in order to make money, you need time. Oh, no, I don't know if you got that. And because we've gotten in bed, the church in North America with the political spirit, it's caused a fog to come in that has set over churches and blinded them from the thing. It actually blinded them from the timing of the Lord because we've had a political mindset and not a kingdom mindset. And so for many people, they haven't understood timing right now, that we're in a transition and timing is so important, but we don't know what to do. And so right now, God is actually checking our hearts. I've never been in a season in my Christian walk where I felt so much of the finger of the Lord on my heart than this season. And I invite it. You know why I invite it? Because scripture says, if you allow the Lord to discipline you, it proves that you're, son, that you're actually a son. So you know you're a son and daughter when you allow the discipline of the Lord. Now, when I say discipline, some of us have a warped view of discipline because we see discipline as punishment. Punishment and discipline are two different things. It's God's goodness that he actually, you know what discipline looks like in the kingdom? God calling you higher to who he created you to be to become mature. Maturity is a good thing. Immaturity is not good. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> and I'm realizing this. When we have a, 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 a religious mindset, when we have a political mindset, many times we don't understand 
leadership because we don't see leadership as maturity. We think it's, polit uh, it's political, positional, or gifting. The most gifted in the room doesn't always lead in the kingdom. It's actually the most mature. I'm going to say it again. The one leading in the room is not always going to be the most gifted. It's actually the most mature. You see it throughout Scripture. David wouldn't have become king if it was upon gifting. Because his brothers were more gifted. He actually was more mature. <laughs> oh, boy. So we're in a new season. He's doing a new thing, right? There's two words for time in Scripture, chronos and keros. Chronos is sequence. It's a, a time in sequence. It's chronological. It's linear. But keros is due moment, perfect moment, due time. And I want to say this. I want to kind of give you language for the time that we're in that, once again, I believe business people understand it right now. During this pandemic, there was a business word that became very, very popular. It's the word pivoting, the ability to pivot. If you've been in business and marketplace, you understand it's a word they're using a lot, Silicon Valley in California, pivot. They're talking about pivot. And what they're talking about is understanding your customers and understanding the times, understanding what you're, what's working best for you, and also understand how to be effective, to pivot. It means your business is able to pivot, and it actually means creative, uh, creativity. And so business that have survived the pandemic were the ones that knew how to pivot. So my message has been entitled, even though I'm halfway through it, are you ready for the shift? The ability to pivot. Churches that are going to actually thrive in this season are the ones who are willing to pivot. Believers who will survive in this season are those who are willing to pivot. And can I tell you what? If your hope is in 2021, I've been around and I see a bunch of Christians and believers in church. 2021, it's going to be. A, no, it's not actually going to be the year. It's actually 2022. From 2018, God has been preparing the church for 2022, what's coming. We've been in a preparation season because preparation attracts opportunity. Preparation attracts opportunity. 2022, get ready. Now, I'm not saying don't have hopes for 2021. I'm not saying that like negative stuff's going to happen. But all I'm saying is that we put all our hope in something that God's not actually breathing on. He's preparing it. That's why there's more people moving right now than ever before. And that we're always in transition. But I want to talk about there's what Des said, there's glory to glory transition, and then there's epoch transition. So an epoch transition is when the whole body of Christ is in the transition, not just individuals. And we've, we've entered a new epoch season, E-P-O-C-H. And that's actually a, a Kairos moment. It's when God is transitioning the whole body of Christ, not just individuals. And so right now, people are getting their, their callings rediscovered or actually getting new callings. 
and it's causing them, God is positioning people. Physically, people are moving. Because this, is, this positioning is for the next 20 to 30 years of what the church is going to begin to look like. And so God is moving people. He's moving people out of churches. He's moving people out of states, out of countries. And it's this, it's this epic transition time because God is repositioning people for what is here and what's coming. See, I've told this story here before, but I feel like I need to tell it again. We uh, went on our honeymoon uh, to Maui, and we went to this place called uh, uh, Little Beach. But there's nothing little really about this beach because it's a normal beach, uh, but they call it, I'm sorry, Big Beach, not Little Beach. They call it, <laughs> I better watch out. I can't say that too fast because that's not going to be good. <laughs> and so we went to Maui to a place called Big Beach. Got it. And um, <laughs> I was seeing that pass, and they didn't want the, you know, <laughs> stumble. I was like, whoa. And um, it's not a very big beach. It's actually a little beach, but what they call it big beach is because there's big waves, right? So I'm out enjoying myself. I'm swimming, water's up to my chest, and I'm just having fun. And before you know it, the water gets sucked down almost to my knees, but I'm not paying attention. I'm just enjoying myself. Right? And then it dawns on me. Okay, wait, I was up to water right here. Now it's down to my knees. Oh, no. <laughs> right? So, mind you, I'm a former athlete. It may not look like it now. It used to be. <laughs> hey, they say stay in shape. Rounds of shape. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I've been knocked out. I've been knee to the head. I've had a bat. Put my, I've, I've had some concussions. And so I know what pain feels like. But when I turned around, this wave was massive. It hit me so hard that I blacked out for a moment. And I just remember when I came to that I had watched a uh, television program that said that most people end up drowning, drowning when they get in a wave because they lose, they're disoriented and they don't know direction, so they end up swimming down when they think they're swimming up. But they said, if you will just float, your body will naturally come to the surface. So I just kind of let my, kind of just float, it came up, and I'm like, I'm out of it. Like, I got hit hard. And so I'm stumbling and bumbling, and I'm like walking, and Des is coming towards me, and there's these two punk kids behind me. <laughs> Look like they're about 11 or 12, and they're just laughing. I mean, they're having, and this is, this is before, this is actually before MySpace. So we didn't have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> we didn't, uh, TikTok, we didn't have any of those. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. Because I'm stumbling, bubbling, these guys are laughing. And then I realized, like, man, I feel lighter. And I'm like, so I look down and I realize not only did that wave hit me? It stripped me of everything. So this is how you know you married the right woman. She goes stumbling and gets my, she finds my everything, right? So I put it on, and I learned a valuable lesson, really valuable lesson, that when you're out there, the wave that was meant for your enjoyment, if you're not anticipating it, it'll actually do more damage than actually advance you. And I'll propose to you that's where we're at right now. The wave 
of heaven is upon our shores. And if we don't anticipate it for our advancement, it actually will cause more destruction than acceleration. Oh, I don't know if you got that. Right? And this is what we're preparing for. We're in preparation. So when God is knocking on the door of your heart saying it's time to do this, time to move, it's time to position there, begin to listen right now. Don't get caught up in the distraction of the political spirit. The political spirit wants to distract you to what God's trying to tell you. Some of us just need to shut off the television right now. And just, we can pray that let everything come to light. We'll pray that, hey, who we voted for, whoever you voted for, it comes into, you know. But it, outside of that, we cannot be consumed by it. And I'm preaching to myself. Because even Des has seen me like, like when it, I'm like, I'm all on the news show. Let's see what's going on. I'm like, man, I just need to get off this thing. She's laughing over because she knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I want to give you a scripture so there'll be an official meeting and then we'll end. Now, here's a, here's a timely scripture, Isaiah 43, 18, verse 19. Some of you guys may have heard this scripture, but this is really, there's so much truth in this right now. It says this, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now will it spring forth? Will you be aware of it? I will even make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love this because this is actually a roadmap to get out of confusion right now. This passage, the whole scripture is actually talking about coming out of Babylon when they were actually in prison, in oppression. And he was telling them, hey, do not call to mind the former things. That actually means, that, that actual scripture that means you go out of your way to come up with things from the past. So when God does a new thing, what we can't do, number one, we can't call to mind the former things. And in that context, what he was actually saying is he was telling them, hey, some of you remember the stories of the Red Sea party. And you remember the stories of the miracles of the past of which your generations told you. Don't call, don't call forth those former things. Because the former things of how I did things will actually paralyze you from me doing the new thing. So the context is saying, so do not call to mind the former things. Or ponder things of the past. What does that mean? Many times the opposition to the new thing was the old thing that used to be the new thing. I'm going to say that again. Many times the opposition to the new thing is the old thing that used to be the new thing. But because the new thing couldn't pivot, it became the old thing. I'm going to say that again. Because the new thing... Couldn't pivot, it became the old thing, so the old thing now becomes a resistance to the new thing. Instead of progressing and actually become, see, over here, when, when this used to be the new thing, the new thing was to mature you to become fathers and mothers so that you could become, so that sons and daughters in the new thing could be fathered and mothered into the new thing and not resisted. And so he's saying in this context, this is so good, do not ponder the things of the past. You know you're in the old thing 
and you're resisting the new thing when you can only talk about how God used to do things then. <laughs> oh, remember when we were River Church? <laughs> remember when we used to have this? Re remember when we used to have the old fellowship hall? Remember those days? And we're always remembering, thinking that the old is actually better than where he's taken us. And so we actually come out of alignment with the kingdom and into religion because religion always believes the old was better than the new. But in the kingdom, you believe you're going from glory to glory. So we honor, see, we can. Many times religion teaches you to live in the past. So you can't see a future. But we're supposed to honor the past, live in the moment, and look towards the future. <laughs> so we can honor the old thing, but we have to prepare right now so that we learn how to new, live in the new thing. Right? So do not call, my, call to mind the former things or ponder things in the past, for behold... I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Now watch this. He's saying whenever he does something new, you'll always be aware of it, but you won't always know what it is. His language was specific. He said aware. He didn't say no. Oh, I don't know. You will be, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware, will you not be aware of it? I broke this down because I wanted to understand what he was really saying there. First, we understand he withholds us, telling us, he withholds from us, telling us what the new thing is in order to keep us from trying to anticipate his ways, thereby limiting him. Our part in his new thing is to let him work in us, readiness to respond. So when God says that he's going to do a new thing, there's something very reassuring about the fact that it will be done right. His way, not our way. Okay. Second thing, he doesn't tell us in order to free us from attempting to drum up the faith. Because if God told us the new thing, what it was he was going to do, we tried to help him. And all we'd be doing is just getting in the way. And thirdly, the reason he does that is because he wants to demonstrate his power over the impossible. Why? When they crossed over to the promised land, in the wilderness, they saw the greatest miracles. When they crossed over to the promised land, to the new thing, the miracles dried up. Why? Because God wanted them to learn how he did miracles, when they came into the promised land, they would become the miracle. Okay, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Many times in the process to the new thing, God will do some of the greatest miracles on our behalf to get us into the new thing. But, the, but we miss what he's trying to do if we only see it as miracles rather than as his ways to teach us how he does it so that when we come into the new thing, we actually can replicate it because now 
We're his sons and daughters. And now we become the miracle. How do you know that? You know that because those who failed to learn the lessons weren't able to come into the promised land. Because they still had a mindset of Egypt, of bondage, of not seeing his ways. So they couldn't cross over to the new thing. So two things we need. Number one, obedience is the key for acceleration in this season. And number two, childlikeness. Why do I say childlikeness? Because childlikeness is the most... The most powerful posture in the kingdom is childlikeness because it's actually the posture of flexibility. I'm going to say that again. Childlikeness is the most powerful posture in the kingdom because it's the posture of flexibility. That's why he said, I want you to have faith as a child. Childlike, not childish. We got some childish Christians right now. I see them on Facebook posting stuff. Childish, but not childlike. The ability to be flexible, because why? When you're flexible, you can pivot. Are you ready for the shift? Are you ready for the shift? Are you ready for the shift? Now, I want to give you a couple things, and we'll dive deeper into this on Sunday. So if you want part two, you got to come on Sunday. I believe there are... Several major shifts that are happening right now. I'm going to give them to you, but I'll go deeper into them on Sunday, Lord willing. The reason I say that, because he may change it on me. There's a relational shift. There's a perspective shift. There's an authority shift from authority to dominion. Many Christians are walking in authority, but God wants them to walk in dominion. There's a resource shift. There's a election calling shift, there's an experience shift, and there's an identity shift. And these are all taking place right now in the body of Christ. Are you ready for the shift? Are you ready to pivot? Now I'll give you some practicals. How do we respond to the shift? Nah, I can't give them. I got to wait till Sunday. Sorry, sorry. I didn't, I, I'm serious. I didn't do that on purpose. I just, the Lord said, stop. I want to propose to you that I believe tonight the Lord wants to release a tangible impartation. There's an anointing as New Testament believers for our Old Testament manifestation. In the Old Testament, there was a tribe called the tribe of Issachar. They understood the times and they knew what, they, knew what to do. It said, this tribe was actually built for war because they understood the times and knew what to do. Now, even though that was held to a people group in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it's available for everybody to understand times and seasons. Why is that? Because it's now part of the kingdom within you. A lot of things that you see in the Old Testament that was available for individuals now is part of the package you get in the New Testament of an upgrade for every believer. And anytime we separate that, what happens, we now move into a man-made movement rather than a kingdom movement. 
Because in the Old Testament, not everybody had the Holy Spirit. Right? The New Testament said the Holy Spirit was a down payment for that which is to come. So God is saying, in the, Old, in the New Testament, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, which is a down payment for that which you're going to receive that's even to come. And I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit has a down payment. The Holy Spirit is so good. And it's going to get better? I can't see that. Right? And so in that context, we have to understand and this is why I love Chris and Raquel's heart, because they're modeling a New Testament church model of empowerment of all. How many know everybody gets empowered, but the New Testament model, everybody gets empowered, but the ability to lead is determined on maturity. I don't know if you got that. Promotion in the kingdom comes because of maturity. Not because of power, not because of authority, not because of gifting, but because of maturity. He wants to mature you. Come on, somebody. And so this season of maturing where he's testing our heart is actually a promotion. See, in the kingdom, testing is always for promotion. And if we don't redefine our definition of testing, maybe you grew up like me where you were afraid of tests because you went to high school, like you could study all night and then once you got the test, you're like freaked out and you forgot everything. So it gave me a bad test. It gave me, it gave me a bad taste in my mouth. So when I read scripture about testing, I was afraid, but then I realized no testing is for promotion. And what we don't realize, every test she gives you is an open book test. I mean, it's already in the book if you just read it. Our response. So you ain't got to be afraid of anything. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray over you real quick. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yes, Papa, you are so, so good. Core church, are you ready for the shift? Are you ready to shift? Are you ready to pivot? Because I actually see three things taking place out of this house. I see family, education, and business merging together. I feel like you guys have a destiny into the family mountain, education mountain, and into business mountain. Not that you won't have others. If, you're, if your influence is in one of those other mountains, doesn't mean that you can't be a part of this tribe. I'm just telling you, I see the regional grace on this church in the area of edu reform and education, what family looks like in business. I see this being a hub for entrepreneurs that are coming. See, the, the biggest thing that God's trying to address right now, I believe in the body of Christ, is small thinking. Small-mindedness. He's a king. He doesn't, he doesn't think small-minded. Matter of fact, when he, if he thought small-minded, he wouldn't create some of us. You are so big on his heart, he created. He, he's not a small-minded God. He is not a small-minded God. And he's trying to break small-mindedness right now. Because small-mindedness can really is at war with God because many times it tries to imprison him 
for him to not be able to do the impossible far more than we can imagine or think. In order to have a mindset of far more than we can imagine or think, we can't be small-minded. God's not looking for small-mindedness, and he's not looking for open-mindedness. Meaning your mind's so open that you don't got a brain to think. I've seen those Christians too. They're so open-minded, their brains fall out. He ain't looking for that either. He's not looking for small-mindedness. He's not looking for open-mindedness. He's actually looking for people, sons and daughters, that would share headspace and have the mind of Christ. Because the mind of Christ is both supernatural and practical at the same time. <laughs> so, Father, we thank you. And we just say, as I want you to make the declaration as a believer in Christ, as core church, I want you to say, Lord, Lord I, declare, I declare I'm ready for the pivot. I'm ready for the shift. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. Lord, activate that anointing of the sons of Issachar within me that I would have understanding of the days I'm living in and I would know what to do. So, Father, I receive for you and I declare as a prophetic act that I'm stepping into the new thing. I want you just to take a step forward if you can. Just take a step forward. You're crossing that threshold. We're stepping into the new thing. We're stepping into the new thing. We honor the old, but we're stepping into the new. We say this is a new day. This is a new season. We are a new people. We're gathering. We're gathering. We're saying yes to the kingdom and no to the political spirit. We're saying yes to the kingdom and no to the religious spirit. We're saying yes to the kingdom. We're saying yes to the king. That he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That he is so good. And so we throw off. We do not call to mind the things of the past. We say we let go of the former things, the former ways, the former days. We honor them, but we're not stuck there. We say our best days are not our prisons now. We say that our best days then are not keeping us in prison now to stepping into the new thing. We honor, Father, we thank you how we saw you move in the past, but we're not satisfied with how you move because we know you go from glory to glory. So, Father, we position ourselves rightly to be recipients of what you're doing now. Because, Father, we say we have family members, we have friends, we have co-workers, we have people in our schools, Father, that know we, they need you. They need an encounter, Father. So I need everything that you have for me. Let it come forth. Lord, I declare that I'm moving from the posture of consumerism into the posture yes. <laughs> of co-laboring. Father, we say we're done with the system of consumerism. You called us to be powerful. And so we rightly activate and take back the power and authority that you gave us as sons and daughters. And any area where we gave up that right, we repent of. Whether we put it in the political system, the education, whatever system we put it in. We rightly take it back. And we make a declaration this day, this night, Father God. That our best days are here and now and coming. And Father, we're thankful for the moves of God in the past. 
But we know you're doing a new thing, not the next thing. So, Father, we're not going to take the next step into the old thing. We declare that we're taking a new step into the new thing. And so, Father, we thank you this night for what you're doing in Jesus' name. And uh, I believe it's, is it Gabe? Gabe, right? Gabe, there is an anointing on you for business. I see it all over you. It's dripping. I see God dripping. I saw oil fall from heaven unto your hands. And I heard the Lord say this. There, there's a saying, of, there's, this, there's this old saying that he has the mind that says every, everything he touched turns to gold. But I heard the Lord said you have the glory touch. That everything you put your hand to is going to manifest the presence of God and it's going to double. There's a doubling in your life. What you begin to put your hand to, there's a doubling. I also saw a um, uh, God hand you a, one of those feather pins. I don't know what it's called. It's like um, a quill pin. I saw God hand you a quill pin and he said, it's time to write. It's time to write. It's time to write. There's actually, um, uh, I actually saw curriculum coming out of you and it's going to be a uh, a mixture of your life story, but also something in the area of entrepreneurship that I actually saw you putting your pen to that was actually going to bring a whole people group out of poverty. So God is actually, matter of fact, I got to go do this. So um, I'm just going to, I saw keys, so I'm just putting these keys in your hand. And God has given you uh, keys. Uh, wow, 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 wow. He's given you keys for the Latin culture to pull them out of poverty mindsets. Whew. You'll never go a day without because Father's going to show himself strong on your behalf. I actually saw him bringing your name and your face before individuals that were going to partner with you. And I saw some fathers and mentors coming uh, into your life to help uh, uh, bring some uh, 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 necessary connections for the next step that you're supposed to take because there's, there's this entrepreneur, there's this business thing that's on you and I just saw anointing drop on you uh, for this, for the producing of this and it's not just for you and your family, it's for whole generations that God's going to cause you to break whole generation and poverty mindset but also that there's a justice call in your life so you're going to bring injustices where whole uh, family generations uh, were, were kept out of positions and places that God was going to cause you an authority with the right people at the right time to, uh, to make a decree on their behalf that would put their whole family generations uh, in the place of receiving once again. And so, Father, I thank you for Gabe. Uh, I know Gabriel is a messenger. And so we just say he is a messenger. He's, he, you're giving him keys of authority to carry the message, to break the back of a poverty mindset, that he's going to break the back of a poverty mindset, that you're putting him in the right place at the right time. And so we just say right now, from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head, in Jesus' name. My sister, right there in the back, uh, you have a mask on. What's your first name? Deborah. Deborah. There's a. Uh, I actually saw in the spirit an angel standing behind you with healing in his hands. Touch your back. There's healing going through your body right now. I saw your back right now coming straight into alignment right now. I saw your shoulders, your back. God is healing you right now. If you would just step out to the center aisle right now, there's a healing. Uh, grace that's coming on your body right now. The way you walk in is not the way you're going to walk out. There's a miracle taking place right over your physical body, your neck, your back, all the way down to your hips, your legs. God is healing your body right now. He's healing you right now. So, Father, we just partner with what you're already doing as you've sent angels on her behalf to minister to her physical body. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, from the soles of her feet to the crown of her head, can I come place my hand on your back? Would that be all right? 
And uh, this is also a, uh, this is a physical manifestation to a spiritual thing because God says you've had uh, people in your life that turned their back on you. But Father says in this season, not only will I heal and touch your back, but I'm going to show you that I have your back. Where others have mistreated you and abused you and have let you go. God says, I've never let you go. I didn't bring you this, uh, this far to let you down. Watch, watch, watch the people are beginning to surround. Your heart's always cried out for deep relationships. He says, get ready. I'm bringing you those deep relationships. I'm going to show you just how good a daddy I am to you. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, from the soles of her feet to the crown of her head, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity, an affliction that tries to cause torment. I say your assignment is now null and void by the blood of Jesus. And I say the kingdom of heaven comes upon your body in the name that's above all names. In the name of Jesus. Right now. All of it. There it is. Yep. There it is. All of it. 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 There it is. Yep. All of it. There it goes. Right now. All, 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 all. All of it, 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 right now, right now, right through you, like lightning, like lightning, like lightning. Pah! Right there in Jesus' name. Oh, 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 oh. Fresh fire, fresh fire, fresh fire. Fresh fire down from your head all the way down to your feet. God says you're not out of your mind. You've had people tell you that in the past. You're actually in his mind. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I just bless your body, mind, soul, and spirit with the shalom of heaven in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to go ahead and try and test your body. How you doing? How you feeling? What's going on? <laughs> Come on! Father, we say more, more, more. The way she walked in is not the way she's going to walk out. And I just declare peaceful rest at night. Peaceful rest at night. We say the fatigue that's been trying to sit on your body is broken now in the name of Jesus. It's broken now in the name of Jesus. And we declare full healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is this making sense to you at all? Is this making sense to you? Does this make sense to you? Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, there's a healing there's miracles right now. There's miracles. This atmosphere is pregnant with miracles. What do I mean by that? It, God's presence is so thick right here. If you need a miracle, you need healing your body, just reach up and grab it right now. You don't need a word of knowledge to be called out. It's in that atmosphere. You just need to grab it by faith right now. He's here. He sent angels here to minister. Come on, angels. We don't got to be afraid of them. We don't worship them, but we acknowledge them. Because when God sent them on assignment, we have to partner with them. That's what the word of God said. They're ministering spirits. So they minister. Come on, angels are ministering spirits. So they minister. They're being called to minister to us. So, Father, we release the angelic in this room on assignment, healing angels. And I'm aware that they're in this room. Miracles, Father, right now. And this is actually the beginning. This house will be known as a house of the miraculous. Not only signs and wonders, but people will come here and experience the miraculous. They'll see their bank accounts double. Supernaturally. 
There are miracles in this house. There'll be the multiplication of food that will happen in this house. God is birthing miracles. This is a house of the miraculous. This region will know this house as a house of signs, wonders, and miracles. That if you get around the core church, signs, wonders, and miracles happen. <laughs> so we just declare, we partner right now. It's in the atmosphere. So just reach it right now. Father, we say right now, somebody here, you've been having problem even in the air of your throat. It's almost like been like a cough and scratchiness in your throat. God's healing your throat right now. I saw God place his hand on your throat. We speak to the throat right now. We speak to the esophagus right now. As a matter of fact, God's actually healing somebody that's been having acid reflex. He's healing acid reflex right now. So we just say right now, be healed. Where that acid's been coming up and, and causing even the esophagus, we speak to that acid levels within the stomach to settle. Father, if you spoke to the storms and settle it, we speak to the stomach. We say the acid would settle within the esophagus and we cancel out right now. We cancel it out. We say, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Right now, sleeping disorders. Sleep disorders. God is releasing peace right now over you. Matter of fact, if that's you, I just want you to wave your hand in there. You've had sleep disorder. Some kind of, uh, whether it be sleep apnea or it's just been, you've been having problems sleeping at night. We just say, right now, sir, right now. Uh, um, not only is it sleep, but God is releasing the burden of stress and worry that's been surrounding you. It's been an assignment, an enemy to try to break, uh, uh, not only uh, stop you and paralyze you from taking the next step, but it's actually an assignment, an enemy to get you to worry, to get your mind going and start the race. So could I pray for you? That'd be all right. And uh, what's your first name? Chris. Chris. Oh, Chris, you're awesome. Man, you rock, Chris. You really do rock. You, uh, God says you are the friend of many friends. You are the friend of many friends. He says when he made you, he made you to learn and to know how to be a friend. And that's why so many people, when they get the privilege to meet you, understand that you have a heart of a friend. You actually carry the nature of God as a friend. You are the friend of many friends. And anybody who has Chris as a friend know they got a friend that will never leave them, forsake them, or betray them. That's how God made you. That's how he sees you, how he created you. You are the friend of friends. And so, Father, I declare right now over Chris, I speak to his mind, I speak to his heart, and I said the assignment and attack of the enemy is now null and void. We declare right now even just the area of rest and sleep where the enemy would try to cause his mind to race at night. We declare that he has the mind of Christ, which also brings perfect peace to the mind. And so I just declare right through your physical body, Rest and sleep comes upon you from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head. I bless your body, mind, soul, and spirit with the shalom of heaven. And I also declare the way you walked in, you will not walk out the same. Father, bless him right now. This is your son. This is your son who you love so much. He says you're brilliant. You're actually a brilliant thinker. You're more brilliant than you give yourself credit for. You actually see structures and systems and know how things function. God created your mind in such a way that you see things. You see things outside the box. And you know how to paint outside the box. And that's because God has put such a grace and gifting on you, Chris. And you are so needed. You are so needed. You are so needed in this season. So God's opening doors that were once shut. 
and he's shutting doors that have been opened that no longer need to be opened. And so, Father, I thank you for Chris. And I just declare wisdom, bless you all the days. You, you are a friend of friend. I actually saw you uh, mentoring a group. I saw a mentoring on you. Of, uh, of even I saw uh, uh, people being gathered to you that you were going to mentor them in the area of how to get breakthrough, even in the area of their personal identity. And I don't know how that's going to function, what, 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 what that all looks like, but I just feel like the Lord's going to speak to you more, have a conversation. It's going to be, they're just going to be drawn to you because of just who you are. And so uh, I just bless you right now and everything God has for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, come on. Let's just give him thanks right now. Come on, come on, come on. Now, come on. No, no, that, that's the clap you give Tiger Woods. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's worthy. He's worthy. Come on, there's none like him. He is so, so good. My brother right here, how you doing? What's your first name? Ronnie. Ronnie, Ronnie, you are so awesome. You rock so much. God loves you so much that he said, I'm stopping the service to point out my son, Ronnie. Ronnie, you are the protector of all protectors. You're like God's bodyguard. You literally have a heart to protect those. Matter of fact, growing up, you've always had a heart for the underdog. Matter of fact, it's caused you to get into some fights for those who didn't have a voice. And God has always put within you the way he created you to have a heart and the skill set to defend those who are voiceless. And so you're like God's bodyguard. You're his protector. Even though the Lord says you have such a soft heart, there's a side of you to protect those who've been voiceless. And in this season, God is promoting you. There's a promotion that you're stepping into because God is about to bring you to a place where you're going to be able to have a voice and a platform to speak for those who have no voice for themselves. And I actually saw God send you into places and even neighborhoods uh, where there are those who have been fatherless. And I saw you standing for the fatherless. That God's put a heart of a father in you to be able to speak to those who've had no father. And that your story and your testimony is way bigger than you think. It's actually going to impact many people's lives. Because God says he's never once gave up on you. You've had others give up on you and say you're never going to do this, never amount to that. Even said you're going to be like this person. But God says no. Ronnie's going to be who I created him to be. And so every label, everything that's been put on you to try to stop you from becoming everything God created you to be is now coming off you right now. It's lifted off you now in Jesus' name. And Ronnie, you are God's protector and defender. He's causing you to come up and be raised up into a defender of the faith that you will be able to stand for those who can't stand for themselves. And God says, Ronnie, if you trust me and you believe who I say you are, never will there be another day that you'll have to go without. For I will show you the provision of my hand because that's how much I believe in you, my son. And so, Father, we just bless Ronnie right now. I bless your body, your mind, your soul, and your spirit. And I declare, Ronnie, you are who God created you to be. And um, it's so cool because I actually saw you. I'm from California. I actually saw you 
uh, driving a lowrider. And you were like in this low rider and it actually had the, um, the, uh, the switches and you were just kind of just on the switch and you were just going about your day and you hit a switch and all of a sudden a tire fell off. Then I saw it replay again and this time you're in the car and you hit the switch, but this time you had a passenger and when you look to the passenger and you hit the switch, the tire didn't fall off, you actually changed directions. And I felt like this was a picture for your life because the person in the car with you was Jesus. And he's saying, you recently had to go through a situation where you felt like all the wheels were falling off. It seemed like the last 24 months there's been chaos, but God says he's just jumped into the arena of your life. And now things that in the past went wrong are now going to go right because he's anointing your ears to hear him so clearly. And he's about to speak to you in dreams. So in the night season, God's going to open up. Your dream life's going to get a lot vivider because God's going to begin to speak to you in dreams. And these dreams are not only directional dreams, but they're actually going to be for your family. And I don't know who it is, but part of this word and season you're in, because there's been someone praying for you. I don't know if it's a praying mom, a praying grandma, a praying wife, but someone's been praying for you. And this moment is a result of their prayers, that God would stop hearing heaven to answer their prayers for your life because of the actual decisions that you're about to step into that's going to cause a whole chain reaction through your family for transformation. And so, Father, I thank you for Ronnie, and I thank you for who he represents and who he is. And so, Father, I say and I declare that you've anointed his ears to hear because he's going to hear clearly your voice in this season. So bless him right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. Come on. God is so good, y'all. But uh, I feel like we're supposed to stop now. I know that's a hard stop, but I, 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 I know this. I, I, I can minister from gifting, but I never want to minister past anointing. Some of y'all will understand that. You can minister from gifting, but it's best if you minister with his anointing, his presence, right? And so I know when there's a stop, and I feel like I need to stop, and um, we will continue this on Sunday, though. So I'll just turn it right over to you guys. I know this is the awkward part. I'm like, oh, man, but he said stop, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen. <laughs>